Hi, welcome to Not Another Marketing Podcast, where I'm talking to marketing and sales technology advisor and the co-host of the HubSpot Hacks YouTube channel, Ali Schwanke. Now, this week, we're talking marketing automation strategy. Thanks for downloading. Marketing automation is kind of something more companies are starting to take seriously. They're building automation into their strategies and that. But is there more to it than the never-ending email drip campaign, which we're all in? It'll never end. We're in it for life. You know that, don't you? Um, this week, I'm joined by the co-host of the HubSpot Hacks YouTube channel, Ali Schwanke, who's also a speaker and advisor on marketing and sales technology. So we're going to be talking automation strategies, CRMs, Zapier, and much more. Now, you can find Ali on LinkedIn. Also, her website, which is Simple Strat. Okay, there's links in the show notes. Don't forget to check out the HubSpot Hacks YouTube channel as well. It's had over a million views, lots of great HubSpot advice uh, on the channel. Uh, check out the links in the show notes. Can I quickly mention that Not Another Marketing Podcast is ad-free. Love it if you could give the pod a shout on social media, subscribe on your favourite podcast app. You can check out more episodes at jtid.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Now, the first thing I asked Ali was if we should kind of look for things to automate or wait until a need occurs. Well, the right answer here is usually one that people learn through experience. And I will tell you, having been on this this end of automating things for folks, it is usually approached in the wrong fashion, hmm. such as, oh, there's AI. What could we do with AI? Or, oh, there's HubSpot. Yeah. Or, oh, there's this. What could we do with this? And that's like entering your home or model store, looking at the wall of tools and saying, what could I do with a hammer? Yeah. And we would think that's incredibly foolish to go to a home or model store, buy, buy a bunch of tools and come home and go, now what do I want to build? Yeah. So instead, just like we do in the physical world, we need to approach it from a blueprint perspective on paper. And honestly, your best friend in automating is a whiteboard or a, or a blank sheet of paper. Yeah. And the reason for that is all automation comes from a flow chart of activities and if you're not able to pinpoint exactly what happens currently without automation, you're going to fail looking at how to automate things when, when that flow is not established. So how do we kind of stand nowadays in the tech world with automation? Because I remember, oh, even only five or six years ago, it was hard. I mean, connecting different apps with with different apps was a flipping nightmare. Um, how, what's the situation nowadays? Can we connect easily, do you think? Do you think we're there yet? I will say yes, we, we have a lot of what we'll call turnkey sort of situations. Hmm. I think the the challenge that still poses to most people is automation, again, sounds like this, this thing that's wonderful, sexy, saves us time, and, hmm. and we can do amazing things with it. But just because you can doesn't mean you should. So we're entering now also a time of... I think the whole world has read, there's a book called, um, I think it's predictive revenue hmm. where you're using like an SDR model. You're sending out, you know, cold emails. Once those people open the emails, if they interact, they get automated over to this platform and then they get hmm. served this email, blah, blah, blah. Because that's happening. Everybody now has a spidey sense up for, did this come from a machine yeah. or did this come from a human? 
Yeah. And so it is easier to connect those platforms. Now, the challenge that folks again still have is this, like if you come off looking too automated now a days, that's no longer cool. Like I want to talk to a live person on a chat bot, not a chat bot. <laughs> I want a live yeah. human. Yeah. And then the second piece is going to be, um, it still takes time. So just because you can build your own website on, let's say Wix or Weebly, you, you should, if that's not your primary job, you should find someone to help you because your time is yeah. more valuable than that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that phrase kind of like just because you can shouldn't mean you should. Uh, mm-hmm. it, kind of like the all the artificial intelligence or the AI and the GTP3 thing or the GPT, GTP, one oh, of the way. Uh, all of that nowadays is, is kind of mm-hmm. like you can, but should you really? Should you? Mm-hmm. What do you what do you think? Should we be writing all our automation emails in um, AI? Yeah, there's some very good things that are being created and, and made possible through, you know, applications like um, ChatGPT. And I'll give an example for for folks that are listening here. If you're spending a lot of time going and finding articles with statistics and insights to reference in your content, you should be using an AI tool to do that. Mm. So if we look at some of the more laborious things that we do, so for instance, going back to market automation. If someone opts into your, let's say they download an ebook from your website and their email bounces three times, you can use automation to trigger, let's make sure that they get cleaned out so you're no longer paying for that contact. Like yeah. things like that, yeah. um, that we just are forgetting we should do anyway. And then on a bigger scale, if you want to automate, so I'm using automation personally to expand some of the influence in my LinkedIn network, but I'm doing it only with two steps as opposed to seven. So again, right. back to that, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And it, it's going, the experiment's going quite well. Yeah. Research is really good. Mm-hmm. It's faster research, isn't it? I, I found that out. It's it's like incredible for, for finding things out. But it's really, really bad for exciting people and being creative and writing <laughs> interesting content and getting the juices flowing. You know what I mean? Making people want to do something. Yeah, we're going to see a lot of, we'll call it me too content mm. because the the success with those tools comes down to the ability to use good prompting or what's called prompt engineering. So again, if you have time to teach yourself prompt engineering and time to teach yourself how to integrate marketing technology, like by all means, yeah. I've never met an entrepreneur that has that much time on their yeah, hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes, find an expert, You know, obviously someone that can help you with that. Yeah. So is marketing automation about saving time or is it about doing things that you physically can't really do yourself? It should be a little bit of both. Hmm. So marketing automation should be things that um, we couldn't do in mass because we we just we're not going to sit around and have our entire system be cleaned by hand in the CRM, for example. Yeah. But it also means so we actually just produced an article about this and a resource for B2B lead nurturing. So to give you context, um, there was some research that I learned this on an air meet webinar was wonderful, but put out by McKinsey and Forrester yeah. that it takes five times more touches to convert a B2B buyer than it did in 2016. So as a result of that, your sales team cannot simply just reach out, you know, 15 more times because sure. we don't want that. But I want to be served content that's relevant to my pain and my situation. And that is the beauty of marketing automation is I can put someone into a specific advertising campaign based on what they first interacted with. I can drip certain emails to them that are very contextual based on their situation. And then the the recipient or the contact feels like they're understood as opposed to barraged with just tons of information. Yeah. 
I like how you mentioned about um, cleaning the database. That's something which I don't see folks doing a lot. I, I still see folks terrified of deleting anything off the database. <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean? It's like, you, you, you know, you, you've, run that, you've run that segment, haven't you, before? Sort of like everybody who's never opened an email in the last five years or something. Mm-hmm. And it's like 20% of your entire database. And it's like, delete them, get rid of them. They're not going to open anything next. And folks are still terrified of of getting rid of contacts, aren't they? Should we? Should we just delete, get rid of Yeah, I'm a big fan of the impact of digital clutter. And digital clutter can come down to your CRM too. So if you're marketing team, this this also comes back to whether you're the founder, the marketing team leader, sales team leader, you should be very careful at measuring people's success by number of contacts. Hmm. Because that number then becomes a fleeting vanity metric that directly impacts their fear Hmm. of deleting. Whereas we should be looking at folks that are moving into conversion stages. So if I, again, this might be like quote unquote MQL, SQL, which is marketing qualified and sales qualified. But if they're not moving into actual conversations with your sales team or your company over time, they probably should be deleted. There's a good chance they moved on too. Yeah. So you're more interested in what folks are actually doing with you rather than whether they just open something. Absolutely. And there's, there's times where if you've sent, let's say 13 emails to a contact and this is, so we're, um, full in on the HubSpot suite. So if you use HubSpot, mm. you're, you're going to yeah. understand when yeah. I say gray mail, gray mail is this idea that someone's in your database, they haven't opted out, but they haven't opened anything for a while. Yeah. So if you continue to deliver to them, you hurt your deliverability and yeah. HubSpot yeah. asks you to, to delete or to, to remove them. Now it might just be they see your newsletter every week and they know you're valuable. They just don't open it. So instead move them into a different campaign that's driven by a human and have a human reach out and say, Hey, what are some of the challenges you're working with? I'd love to interview you and learn a little bit more about your business. Like if they don't respond to that, then delete them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love delete. Yeah. Just get rid of folk. Cause if, if they haven't opened like the last hundred emails, they're not going to open yeah. the hundred and first, are they? At the end of the day, exactly. they're just, just not. Um, a, a lot of automation does tend to focus on email. Um, can we automate other channels we use, social media and you know other things? Yes, yeah, certainly. When it comes to distributing content, which is one of the applications of, of marketing automation, there's distributing content on LinkedIn, there's mm-hmm. using in-mails, there's connecting with folks. So there's a number of applications that automate on different platforms depending on your business. So I, I can't give you a blanket recommendation, but if you are if your customers are on those platforms, you, there is a way to automate it. Um, so I would say if that is something that's of interest, you know, definitely look into automation for insert platform here and, and be very careful. There are a lot of, I'll call them empty promises yeah. in those, in those platforms. Yeah. But, um, emails one SMS or text messaging is, is certainly one that's very prevalent in the consumer space, but it's one to be guarded very lightly because there's, there's a lot of ramifications if, if that's done poorly. Um, there are other applications too, where you can prompt a, let's say direct mail piece to go out yeah, after yeah, they've yeah. been in your system. So yeah. we, we should not write off any channel as not being able to be automated. It goes back to that, that whiteboard scenario of what do we want to do and how do we break through the clutter to use automation to stay in front of our folks. Yeah. Can we kind of do any retargeting, like maybe on social media or something, or even Google ads? So if, if folks have done something with this in one channel, can we then maybe do some, you know, sh- show them things in another channel where, where they are? Yeah, certainly. There is a 
it is a best practice hmm. to sync your CRM or database. Again, in this case, we, we work with HubSpot. So HubSpot has the ability for you to put people into specific lists or campaigns that then hmm. you can serve as to on a number of B2B platforms. So LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. Um, or if you use a different database, there's other applications as well that you can export, even export lists of folks that have meet certain criteria and then use that on your ad platforms to retarget them for sure. I mean, you probably, a bit like me, love a good CRM. I love a good mm -hmm. CRM. I really do. <laughs> I mean, most people don't. Um, how do you find the uptakers within, within businesses, companies, within the general, you know, staff as such? Uh, are they, do they use it? Is it difficult to get people to keep using it? Yeah, adherence and buy-in to CRM is certainly, is definitely a problem. Mm. The the changes that have been made in modern CRMs, and especially in, in cases like, since we do a lot of training on HubSpot, the more you can maintain your activities in your current environment, and what I mean by that is, if I have to constantly bounce back and forth between my window and my CRM, and my email yeah. and my CRM, yeah. they, it's just not, people are gonna abandon that in light of yeah. like current behaviors. So platforms like like HubSpot's not the only one, but there's other platforms too that if you can work in your inbox and have that save information to your CRM, add a deal, add a task, I'm operating all in one space, which yeah. then creates the buy-in and hopefully the small gains that you see give further evidence of like, wow, this is actually really saving me time and, and creating returns for me. Yeah. Um, kind of automation tends to focus on email, right? And drip campaigns are the thing which, I mean, people are starting to say, oh, I'm, you know, you sign up for something and you're in that never ending campaign where you get emails forever in a day. Um, when should a drip campaign kind of stop? And when should you shut up? That's going to vary largely based on how long your sales cycle is. Mm. It's going to vary based on if you have, um, so I actually, I, I published something about this on LinkedIn this morning about the three types of marketing activities that typically are part of a campaign or part of a campaign strategy. So one is foundational, two is building activities and three is activating activities. Mm. So people often going back to the idea that your CRM is gold if the data in there is correct your activating activities may be the thing that you need to get those folks that kind of dripped out back engaged. And it might be things like, think about activating activities as things like um, trends. Here are the trends for 2023. Let's you know talk about them for your business. Or the government just changed sort of regulation that's gonna impact your business. You need to figure out how to manage that. Like hmm. anything that would catch their attention is an activation. The drip emails are definitely more of a building activity. And sometimes if they're not, spot on or they don't trigger any um emotional response they do tend to blend into the the white noise yeah i mean i mean if you knew that kind of 90 percent, 95 percent of your of your business comes within say three months for example that's the you know the, the the longest your sales cycle should be is about three months should you still be sending people emails six months 12 months later i'll say maybe it, mm. it might happen because if you have a business where, and this happens in, in all um, companies, that there's some sort of cyclical topics. So for instance, you and I are both in, in marketing and people talk marketing budgets, annual planning in October, November, and December. Yeah. So they may have not responded to anything you had to say the rest of the months of the year. And now it's an opportunity to reopen that conversation. 
So if you do have a short sales cycle and they come in with a very specific need, so we'd call this very bottom of funnel, they are ready to find a solution today mm. and they didn't, they ghosted you after three months, they probably did go with a different solution or they did what a lot of B2B buyers do, which is they did nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, you may just be up against people's own like obstacles of status quo and behavior change. And in that case, like if you can't motivate them to make a decision, you know, they've already opted out. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's really interesting because I find that exactly myself with what I do is that uh, is the most people just do nothing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you, you have no idea whether they like the quote, they didn't like the quote, whether they want to do business or not. They literally don't do anything. And that's difficult to work with sometimes, isn't it? Yeah, that is actually a very hard thing to teach folks that are not native marketers is mm. your competitors. Sure. Yeah, you go up against direct competitors competitors, but often your biggest competitor is you're making the prospective customer think too hard. So mental drain, yeah. you are causing them to shift their behavior in ways that are scary. And so they have fear or there is lack of clarity. So there's this ambiguity of principle where uncertainty stalls them because they just, the, the better unknown is scary than yeah. they'd rather be in the uncomfortable known. Yeah. Um, when you kind of like take on a new client, um, how do you start formulating some sort of automation strategy? What are the first things you kind of look at? So let's see. Well, let's, let's put this into a scenario. If they were to buy a, so marketing automation is going to be something that's a little bit higher up in the funnel. Um, mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll talk about that compared to sales automation here in a second. But one of the first things that uh, email automation should be used for is, or excuse me, the marketing automation should be used for is maintenance and updating of, of the database itself. So right. if that yeah. happens to be making sure that your email contacts that are not engaging or getting on a list for review and stuff like that. When we're looking at driving activities, any sort of form of content that has a gate in front of it, and that might be a form like sign up for this webinar, sign up for this ebook, like that automation right there is usually the first pe place people start because they need to offer a resource to their audience in a way that shows value captures contact information, starts to build a relationship, and then that automation can be used to, again, further that familiarity and trust with the brand. So that's usually step one is getting some sort of initial, we'll call it quote unquote campaign mm -hmm. set up so they can start to see folks come in, get value and be nurtured without a direct human interaction. Do you kind of like do a lot of automation within internal workflows, like with the, I don't know, the accounts department and, and I don't know, anybody, you know, the notifications to different people that they're going to do something at a certain time. Do you do you do a fair bit of that? Um, are you talking about updating their information like on record and things like that? Yeah, well, little things, I suppose, like if you if you I don't know, say, for example, you're putting together a piece of a piece of web content, a web page, a landing page or something, and there's different stages and different people have to be notified to do something at different stages. Do you go to that extent so that when a tick box is ticked to say we're at this stage, then somebody else gets an email to say it's your turn now sort of thing? Yeah, definitely. Inside of project and uh, project management systems, mm. there's there's those automation pieces. So the marketing department may be using automations to manage what we call like production flow. Mm. Um, but that's typically going to find itself in a project management automation versus a marketing automation. Yeah, but actually, yeah. as you talk about that, that's interesting because we are all subject to our own interpretation of what a word means, right? Yeah, yeah. And I do think that that's probably one thing that is unclear if you're outside of marketing is you just hear the word automation and lack of knowing where to apply it in your business may actually just prevent you from taking any next steps. 
Yeah, because it's it's weird, isn't it? Because marketing in in general nowadays, particularly is particularly digital marketing, uh, covers many 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 different fields. Um, so so you you will need to, I suppose, build in your project management software into your CRM and have it all connected and all working together. And like you say with HubSpot, is that something you do? Yeah, there's. A, there's a handful of project management softwares now on the market that have mm. made significant strides in their integration with platforms like HubSpot and others. Um, Teamwork is one, for example, that yeah. they recently updated their integration. ClickUp is another. And so they're wanting really the goal of all of that is marketing these days is no longer let me just generate leads. And if, if that is your yeah, definition, yeah, yeah. I'm going to encourage you to change that. Sure. But it's how do we continually nurture this problem to solution to I solved it to circling back around and serving them continually over and over again. So you're going to have to have good delivery on the post purchase. And that's usually where the automation comes in. Yeah. How do you feel about tools like Zapier and IF, whatever it is, Oh, I've done the I've ever been able to get that right. I, uh, yes, Zapier is one of my favorite tools. I absolutely love it. And the, what I really love, the tool itself is amazing. Yeah. But what I love even more is the community of people that have used those tools that you can easily tap into and sort of use that as your brain trust. Because Zapier's developed all sorts of recipes, but then you go into a Slack group and ask a question about, hey, has anybody ever used this to do that? And you get all sorts of responses and, mm. and it, that's just, that's super rewarding. Yeah. Do, uh, do, what, what do you think about like the, it's another stage of failure, isn't it though? <laughs> Where yes. something can go wrong, I suppose. I, I, I mean, do you find these, these third party tools to be quite reliable? Yeah, that's really, so as a company, we have gone all in on HubSpot and becoming the, the deep experts there because that is one of the few platforms that you can do a lot of these things in one place. Yeah. Now, so it's not that you can't do something with, you know, let's say an email system and then a CRM over here and then a social system over here. You can do that, but the more things that you you sync together or band-aid together increases your propensity for those things to fail and, and not zap correctly. Yeah. Um, and the worst thing as an email or the worst thing as a marketer who's using those systems is to get an email yeah. that says your zap failed. And all of a sudden your day is like, oh my God, what am I going to yeah. fix today? Yeah. Yeah, because cause like integrations, which the CRM, I've certainly found like like CRMs I've used, that the integrations which they built themselves don't always do everything that you want them to do. Tagging, particularly, I find. Mm-hmm. Tagging. I love to tag. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's funny because that vernacular, tagging, is prevalent in a couple CRMs. And in other CRMs, that functionality is carried out by lists or active lists or dynamic yeah. lists. Yeah. So it is important when whether you're a marketer here that's not an agency and you're working with an agency or you happen to be on the agency side helping clients knowing exactly what someone means by tagging or listing uh, is is super important because you might find that that's the reason why you go with CRM XYZ versus the other one. Yeah, because the native integrations don't always do everything, do they? They, they, There's sometimes limits. Yeah, and be very careful when, when, 
we've learned to explore what someone says when they say, I want it to integrate with this. Yeah. And we say, well, what does that mean? And they tell us and we're like, well, that's not really an integration. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> you know? yeah. I've got a load of those with MailChimp. There's one CRM system I, I, I work with a client with and, and the integration with MailChimp is literally just pulling across a template and using it uh-huh. as an email. And that's it. That's, there's yep. no, that's, no in, that's not integration, is it? Yes. Yes. So leave it up to marketers to overmarket yeah. their skis and, and talk about, you know, because it, it gets people to pay attention, but in, in the end, it doesn't solve their problem. No, no. Um, Alice, fascinating. I could chat for ages about this. Um, where can we find you? Where's your website, social media bits? Sure. Well, for folks that are HubSpot users, you can find us over mm. on YouTube. Actually, um, we have a channel called HubSpot Hacks cool. and about um, 80 different videos on how to do things and automate stuff in HubSpot over there. And then um, if you're looking for tools, templates, you know, insights, that sort of thing, my company is simplestrat.com. So strat, strat is short for strategy, simplestrat.com. And um, if you search Ali Schwanke literally anywhere on the internet, you'll probably track me down, but LinkedIn's a good place to go. Fantastic. And what I'll do is I'll put a load of links in the show notes, folks, and just tap on those. Brilliant. Um, Ali, thanks ever so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks again to Ali for a time. Don't forget to check out all the links in the show notes. Lots of them. Give them a tap. If you've enjoyed the episode, you can subscribe for more on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, your favourite podcast player. Just search for Not Another Marketing Podcast. Thanks for listening.